What's going on, people? Welcome back to another episode of Keep It 111 Woo! with your hosts, Andy and Sanha. Yes, Sanha, sir. how you doing, man? Doing great, sir. I'm doing great. Nice, nice. Well, folks, today we got uh, another NFL recap for you. Gonna have to get used to those. We'll be talking a lot about week three recap and, well, we're, as we're speaking now, we're uh, we're at a uh, Friday, so we had one game uh, take off for Week Four, and a game that we must say, of course, as a lot of you are probably aware, there's a lot to talk about there. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the MLB as the regular season winds down, and although it is clear who is going to be in the postseason, we don't know how the seating is going to look like, and for personal and for objective reasons, there are. Uh, there, there's a lot of reason to pay attention to them, and we'll take, get into that. And then finally, we're going to give you another update on the chess cheating scandal. It's it's really made it to the mainstream, man. And uh, at this point, at this point, we're not just like talking about a niche uh, topic. This is on the main news outlets all over the world. Niche uh, theory. Yeah. I I have people like asking me about it, like just. People that I yeah, me too at work. Never even talk work, about chess. Manager, so like, I'm just yeah, like, it's okay, like asking yeah. that. I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, it's um, it, it's Crazy. definitely yeah, it's definitely one of the most mainstream moments uh, of the game. So, but we we need to be talking about kind of sad one, though this that this is this is what it took. <laughs> all right, <laughs> I, I I do agree with that. Um, like chess is bigger not, now than when an American was in the World Championship. Somehow. Yeah, but it, it had to be Fabiano, right? Yeah. So also, it had to be one of the less marketable dudes. And, and the thing is, it's also that was pre-pandemic, pre-online chess boom, and this is post-online. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now this is post-online chess boom, so a little different. Correct, but yeah, correct, anyway, correct. anyway, we can talk about that later. Yes. Uh, without further ado, let's uh, start off with the NFL ban. Um, lot. I mean, do you? Should we? Talk about the elephant in the room first. Sure, I mean, let's do it. Uh, so, Tua has was you know rocked in in the week three game, and he stayed in the game, and he was also starting last night, and unfortunately, uh, he had to be carried off after an injury. Lots of scrutiny on how the protocol was handled somehow what do you think about you know the whole concussion situation with him and how the kind of the events that led up to uh, what happened last night so uh, it's a little unclear um it's a little unclear again like i'm not an i'm not a doctor first off like i i do not know like medically speaking exactly what uh, would would make someone be diagnosed with a, a concussion. Um, and also, we also don't know, I, I mean, at least I don't know, like, how different it is between, like, how the NFL defines a concussion and if a player is allowed to play in the game um, versus how, like, a medical, pro- like, just a regular medical professional um, would diagnose a concussion like there could be a difference in evaluations there as well um but so like uh, apparently part of the protocol for the nfl's concussion protocol 
says if the team physician in consultation um, with the sideline as some sort of unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant um, determines the instability to be neurologically caused, the player is designated a no-go and may not return to play. In Tua's case, the gross motor instability was attributed to a back injury and not a concussion. But here's the thing. So, like, so that's why they're saying that in week three, Tua technically passed the NFL protocol because, because he had gross motor um, instability, but it was being attributed to not a head injury, but to a back injury. But the question here is, if your quarterback has gross motor instability, I don't care what the cause is. Like, it, it doesn't have to be because of a head injury. Like, he probably shouldn't be playing the rest of the game if he has gross motor instability. Like, I, what do you think? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's common sense. And I mean, also, like... <laughs> Um, I mean, again, I also haven't read too much into like any of the diagnoses, but if it's a back, like, I mean, is it, is it, is it spinal related? I mean, like, what does that mean? Um, cause yeah, like, is, is there like a neurological deficit? I mean, I'm, I'm not too sure about that. And it looks sus as hell. I mean, we were just talking about it, but kind of the behavior that we saw from him on the field yeah. after taking that blow, uh, it just looked like he was. He was dazed, like, in the head, not, like, you know, it wasn't some kind of, like, muscle strain or something, you know, you know, musculoskeletal. Like, it was, it definitely seemed like, you know, he was wobbling, right? Yep. Um, kind of looks like a boxer, you know, that got hit right in the jaw. And, Wrong. You know, and the, 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 a boxer that really needs, like, you know, the, the, the bell to go off to signal the end of the round because they need to take a couple minutes. And so, I mean... It, it, it's it's crazy how things change, right? Because we were just talking about, right, last week, a team that, you know, hustled and was able to take down a Super Bowl, bona fide Super Bowl contending team uh, last week. And, I mean, now look at them. I mean, what what are it, – it, it, this almost – this must kind of like, you know, sink their, you know, aspirations to really make an impact this season. Uh, at least a little bit. I mean, it, it's crazy because – like Mike McDaniel, their head coach, is already saying for week five, if Tua is unable to play, then Teddy will be their starter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like there's they're already trying to like rush him back anyway. Um which is crazy to me. Like after all of this, you should not be doing that at all. Uh first off. It's it's just it's becoming bad press for this. Yeah, team exactly, now. exactly. Like even for just like the press, don't say that. Don't say that, even for just the president. Nobody like, likes it. Like, the public doesn't like it. Your fans probably don't even appreciate yeah, it, to it's, be honest, it's, right? It's and crazy. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah, it, it, it'll they'll take a hit. Um, but if it is just, like, I'm more concerned about, like, the back injury that's causing, or that was causing this, like, gross motor instability, if it really is a back injury. Um, because, I, like, a concussion... Yeah, concussions are serious because they're neurological, but they're not like an ACL tear or anything where you're out for the season. Like concussions um typically last a couple maybe a week or two for NFL players and then they they get back. 
Um, a back injury is a little concerning, especially if if Tua takes another big hit. Um, I I don't know. Um, that's what I'm more curious about. But yeah, it, it does it does impact them um a little bit. Like these next couple of weeks are going to be tough for sure. But luckily for the Dolphins, they have one. They have Teddy Bridgewater, who is probably one of the better um, backups in the league. Uh, so that's a good thing. And the second thing is that the offensive scheme itself lends to um, being friendlier and malleable for uh, maybe less talented quarterbacks to play in. So like, you don't have to have a Patrick Mahomes. You don't have to have an Aaron Rodgers or someone to run this offense effectively. It's it's effectively the same. It, okay, I, I don't want to call it the same, but it's it's effectively the same as the 49ers offense, which Jimmy Garoppolo took to a Super Bowl, right? So, it, like, you can still have, you know, subpar maybe talent at the quarterback position, but still run the offense effectively. Um, so, yeah, they'll take a hit. Tua is obviously better than Teddy at this point. Um, but luckily for them, I, I think they have the right pieces and the right schemes in place uh, to maybe not lose, like, everything um, over the next couple. Yeah, and I mean, not to mention they are playing the Jets next, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you would think even a Teddy Bridgewater-led offense should be able to, you know, Put up very good chances, right? You'd hope. You'd hope so. (laughs) You'd hope so. Yeah. All right. Um, Any comments about like you know the general week three action? I mean, we saw plenty of upsets, of course. You know, the Bills being one of them. Um, I mean, this is your floor now, man. Do you want to give your team some love? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I I, I do. But yeah, let's talk like some like the big storylines. I'm not going to go through every single game. Um, but a couple of storylines here. So number one, yeah, like the, the Dolphins and Bills game. Dolphins win 21 to 19 against the Bills in Miami. Um, the story of the game here was that there was, first off, the Bills team that played was very beaten up. They were without a bunch of their defensive starters. Um, and despite that, they still kept the Dolphins to just 21 points. Um, and in, and that last touchdown really came late in the game. So like, I I think the bills actually played this very, very well. The other thing here was that apparently it was very hot and humid in Miami during the game. And there were, um, a lot of players like cramping and, and, and things like that, because obviously if you're from Buffalo, like you're not used to playing in that kind of weather. Um, and, and even if you are a Miami player, like playing in that kind of weather um, is it, it, not good because like, you're, you're sweating more, which leads to you losing more electrolytes, which leads to more cramping, et cetera. Right. Um, so it, it was a weird game. I, I think. So the weird thing here is I, I actually think that the Bills outplayed the Dolphins. In, um, despite having like half of their deep starting defense out because of injuries um which like i i'm not gonna say like the dolphins were lucky like they did what they had to do to win the game they made some big plays um and 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 they did what they did to to stifle uh josh allen and the bills offense 
but um i'm not ready to like write the bills off i still think they are one of the best teams in the league um and and we'll see what the uh, the other side of the matchup looks like when the Dolphins go up to Buffalo play. Um, I think it'll be a very, very different game. Um, yeah, and it wasn't it like the Dolphins, they, they, their defense spent more time on the field, right? That game. The story of the um, game is crazy. The Bills ran like 90-some offensive plays, which I, I believe the NFL average is like 60-some, like mid-60s in a game. So the, yeah. Dolph- so the Bills ran 50% more than the NFL average. And the Dolphins ran like forty plays, fifty <laughs> percent I mean, less. Like, I mean, that just goes to show you, like the Dolphins' defense, like they put in work, you know, in that summer heat, right? They I did. Mean, they you did. You know, to to play against those ninety something plays, like that's that's a. I mean, they they are you know based in Miami, so they yeah, should yeah, be more acclimated. They to should practicing. And I mean, and, the and it's crazy like, that that the Bills though couldn't score more points while having like 90 some plays run like it's it's just like if you in some sense is an anomaly right yes exactly like if you ran the game back with this the exact like uh split in time of possession and offensive plays run then this result would only come out like one to two percent of the time like it's is it that's what i I was saying yeah Yeah. that's what i was saying like yeah the, the the dolphins won but i like to me this isn't like that big of a deal for the Bills. Like, it was a bit of an unlucky game, to be honest. It was an unlucky game where a bunch of your defensive starters were out and you were playing in Miami with a bunch of your players cramping. Like, it was a bit unlucky. <laughs> it, yeah. it was a bit unlucky. Um, yeah, it, yeah, they're going to use this extra break from playing. Uh, yeah, uh, they're, they're, they're going to. No, they played on Sunday. Ooh. Okay, well. I mean, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Um, they, they will be fine. Yeah, All I, right. I'm not too concerned. Um. Next story here is, uh, oh, I want to talk about the Raiders for a second. So the Raiders fall twenty four to twenty two to the uh, to the Tennessee Titans, and I want to talk about this because the Raiders are zero and three now. The Raiders are zero and three, and that means their new head coach Josh McDaniels is zero and three, which uh, it goes deeper and deeper into the hole. It's just, it's just so sad, like. Because, man, like, Josh McDaniels chose this job. He chose this job because he believed that it was a good team and that he had a good chance to win. And he starts the season 0-3, and and now he's getting blamed for it. So apparently, after the game, he was called, um, like, into the room with ownership uh, to have a chat, if you will. Um... Like we all know what that means, right? Like you're in yep. you're in deep shit. You're in deep shit. And yep. the problem is that like, oh man, he's just so unlucky, dude. How does this happen to him? Like he's just so unlucky. Like the offense is not great, but it's not bad. And that's not what's losing them games. Their defense is losing them games. And yet, and Josh Daniels is not in charge of that shit. Like he's an offensive-minded coach. Yep. He's been an offensive coordinator all his career. Um, and they're not like even gonna give him a chance to like bringing bring in his own like defensive coordinator for like next year. They're just gonna be like, you better turn this season around or you're fucking gone. <laughs> which 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 sounds like what what's gonna happen. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I Josh McDaniels, I like mean, maybe the unluckiest like coaching candidate in NFL history. I don't know. <laughs> I, he's just destined to be a coordinator, man. I guess. I mean, like it's just so like, sad, man. He's gonna be banished into uh, offensive coordinator realm. <laughs> Depressing, dude. I, I mean, honestly, because this is his second rodeo, right? I mean, yeah. yeah so if this doesn't work out, I mean, does he ever get a chance to be a head coach again? <sighs> like. I don't know. It becomes harder and harder, right? Yeah, it 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 definitely like does. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, he's still young-ish. He's like still mid forties. He has a little bit of time, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's pretty rough. His regular season record now is eleven and twenty as a. Oh yeah, he he's about to put up like another offer. So yeah, not yeah, looking good for him. He's batting three fifty. It's rough. Um, <laughs> let's next uh, next storyline here: the Jags. Jags. Yeah, I, I wanted I wanted to hear your point about this one because I mean, hey, I mean by by this point, like yeah, I, I mean you you speak so highly about these guys. I I almost like mistake you for being a Jags fan. <laughs> yeah, and but like, am I wrong? Like, was I am I wrong to speak highly about them? Like, I mean, dude, they put up a fucking result. Yeah, that's for sure. Like the Jags are actually just good, and like <laughs> like. Yeah, I'm gonna I gotta bring back up like what I said in the preseason. When you looked at like the players that they have on the field, they just look big, fast, and strong, and it's showing up in the games. It's showing up in the games. Um Trevor Trevor Lawrence is in year two. He looks much more comfortable in in Doug Peterson's offense, um, which is not like the most creative offense in the world, but it's still it's still a very, very good offense um uh, of scheme and um game plan and the defense is also just like it's just stacked at every single fucking level like the defensive line is stacked the linebackers are stacked the 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 safeties are stacked like it's just a stacked team with like i said last week a bunch of first like former first rounders they're all a bunch of athletes just like running around out there and and yeah the jags look great the jags look really really great um, the Chargers did struggle a little bit. They're also dealing with some injuries, um, like the Bills. But man, they should have put up a better fight than this uh, against the Jags. The Jags just overwhelmed them physically, um, and which is why I think the Jags are like legitimate contenders at this point because of how like physical, like how physically dominant they can be oh, whoa wait wait contenders to make the postseason i mean what are we talking here like make a run in the postseason because holy smoke because okay, here's right. because yeah yeah maybe this is like copium right. <laughs> i'm a colts fan and i'm saying this like look, look it pains me greatly to live in a world where the jags have a better chance of making the super bowl than the colts like it pains me greatly to say that but like that might be true because they just are very physically dominant. There are very few teams in the NFL that can match up to their physical dominance. Like it would be the Buccaneers, the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Saints, maybe. That would be it. Those would be the only other teams probably in the NFL that could like match up physically. Like if you if you had like a barroom brawl of NFL teams, the Jags team would be, like, a top five, like, ballroom brawl team. 
like that that's the kind of like physicality we're talking about um and so but like yeah like i think a lot of people are surprised because the jacks have been like so perennially bad for so many years now but but i i really am not that surprised like i they were playing the chargers away and the chargers are supposed to be a dark coach candidate this year i mean i feel like you know Almost everybody would have been, you know, not expecting this kind of result. This is, you know. Yeah, it's just. They should be taken seriously. Well, who are they playing are next? Jags are good. Uh, the Jags well, are playing well, the Eagles next, which is, this, well, is, this is the big test. Well, this is, yeah, this is it, right? This is this the is big it. test. Um, the final undefeated team and the Super Bowl contender, yep. like Eagles, if they could take them down, well, yeah. I mean. I think it'll be tough to for the Jacks to take the Eagles down, but I think it will be a good fight. Um, I just think that the if you like compare roster to roster, that the Eagles are like, like the Jaguars are kind of like a budget Eagles, will. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is funny. I tell it. Which well, which I I think you're disrespecting Trevor Lawrence a little bit. No, 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 okay, I mean, yeah, okay, okay. Other than Trevor, other than Trevor, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but it's funny because. The Jaguars head coach is like the ex Eagles head coach, um, that's which, true. which makes right, it which right, makes right. it a lot funnier that like yeah, that, yeah. That, that's the comparison. The, the budget um, Eagles, yeah, yeah they're kind, they're kind of one. the budget Eagles. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see. Um, again, it's it it's like even if they lose against the Eagles, if like I want to see how they play against the Eagles. Um, I want to see that. They are able to match the physicality and the size of the Eagles. And if they can do that, then that will give me greater confidence, even though I, I seem to already have pretty, pretty great confidence um, that they'll make the postseason and, and, and be kind of a contender um, once we get into the postseason. So, um, yeah, that's, what, that's uh, another big storyline. Um, is there anything else that that's worth talking about? Oh yeah, of course. A Colts, baby, let's go! Let's go! Let's go! The boys, holy shit! The boys did it. They fucking did it. Um. Um. I'm not gonna I mean, lie. Like, oh yeah, go ahead. I mean, well, I was just gonna say, like, it, that's it, it. It was definitely a a unique kind of game in terms of you know what really decided yeah i've never seen like you know special teams play like a big role in a game like it did in this one uh you know it just goes to show you i guess you know all like you know every single segment of the team really matters and you know push game to shove dude colts were colts were making their kicks and the chiefs were not man and colts were you know punting extremely well and so yeah, like the, I think those like little the little wins here and there, right, just accumulated, and you know they barely eked it out, but you know the three points came to be the difference. Yeah, um, I think Patrick Mahomes was a little disappointed in the game plan of um, because the Chiefs were ahead for for the majority of the game, um, and and frankly, yeah, as a Colts fan watching the game. I did not think that we were going to win um, at almost any point during the game. Um, 
I I was almost certain that that we were not going to be able to to get over the hump. Um, but the Chiefs kind of just like slowed down once they had the lead. Like they they just didn't put us away um, by kind of pressing the issue, uh, which they could have because um, our defense is okay. Like I okay, our defense is actually pretty decent. But also, it's Mahomes. Like, when you have Mahomes and you haven't put away the team fully, you keep pressing with the offense and score more points so that you, 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 uh, you broaden the gap. Otherwise, like, the Chiefs' defense is good, but they're not so good that they can, like, lock down a game, right? Um, especially, and... and and this is especially true, like, no matter how good your defense is, unless it's, like, the god defense, the problem is that the NFL is, is built so much now and the rules are, are skewed to help offenses so much that, like, it's better for you to rely on your offense to, like, lock out a game than for you to rely on your defense to, to lock out a game, right? Because the, just because of the way the rules are um favoring offenses so like i think the game plan was a lot at fault here for the chiefs um but it, it, the colts did play well like um matt ryan is seemed to have found his rhythm um a little bit he wasn't perfect by any means but he was i mean loads better than than week two better than week one as well um they need to keep the momentum up and and remember like Remember what I said last week about the Colts? I was I was saying like even if we lose to the Chiefs, like we just have to like like look good, uh, and then maybe we can like ride that momentum into the rest. of This is huge. Like this this could be the like if they can take this win and string together a series of wins and go like you know six seven in a row here, then you kind of erase the the first two weeks uh, of the season. Um, do I have a lot of hope that we can do that? No, uh, because I mean, I would feel pretty optimistic against the Broncos. Yeah, no, no. I against the Broncos, I do feel optimistic. Um, but it, it's it but is. Then, a, then, but then the Jags, right? The Jags. <laughs> yeah, the the then we have the Jags. Like yikes. Um, then we have the Titans, who are also tough. Uh, and then and then we get a little bit of reprieve with the Commanders. Um. And the cool. Patriots, yeah, I would say too. Yeah, and and the pads, but like we like here's the thing though. That's this is exactly what I'm saying though. Like if we're able, because we have a like a a tough couple of games, even the Broncos, their defense is very stout, and I'm 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 very concerned of how our offense would would do against the the Broncos defense. Um, like. If we're able to string together those wins, then like the the momentum that we build would be astronomical. Like I would like if you like four weeks from now, if we won every game up until then, I would feel like almost unbeatable unless we played like the that's Eagles or something. <laughs> like that that's how I feel. That but, but but which is also why I'm saying like I don't feel super confident about that happening. <laughs> I mean, Sana, Sana, if you're 7-1-1 one, one going into the Eagles game, 
I mean, and you're home. I mean, listen, we suck, okay? Right. <laughs> okay, we suck, okay? Don't, 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 don't get my hopes up. Don't get my hopes up. We suck. We suck, okay? Okay, I just wanted to ask you, though, about, you know, uh, Kansas City. You know, they miss a field goal from 30 and change, and then they try to fake a, fake a field goal, right? Yeah. Um, 40 and change. That right there is six points, wins them the game. Yeah. Uh, the 30 miss, you know, whatever. The kicker misses it. I mean, the kicker should make that, whatever. I mean, is it, do you put it on Andy Reid with the, with the decision to fake the 40-yarder? Absolutely I do. Listen. <laughs> Listen, you, um, your field goal kicker sucks, okay? Let's just. Let's just put it out there. Your kicker sucks, which is also part of the reason that Mahomes is so mad about, about the game plan. Like, you have, okay, you, your choice is Mahomes or your sucky-ass kicker. Those are your two choices, and you keep choosing the kicker, and then, like, this, like, oh, my. Like, you would have had better odds of converting if you hadn't done a trick play. And just done like a regular play with Mahomes, like. What was the yardage on that? What was it? Fourth and what? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Was it something either. like within range? Um, I'm pretty sure it was. Here, give me one second. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find like. But, the, but your point is that like even fourth and five, like or something like that, you still go to Mahomes. Listen, if it, even if it's fourth and ten, you're still more <laughs> likely to convert with Mahomes than you. Oh right, because you're gonna you're asking your kicker to make the trick. Yeah, it's like, like yeah, yeah. That's that's come on, guys. Like Jesus Christ, and also like, listen, if your if trick plays were that effective, where like it worked like fifty percent of the time, then people run trick plays all the time. There's a reason people don't run trick plays almost at all. Right? At that point, you wouldn't even call it a trick play. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah, because the, the likelihood of success is so fucking low that, like, you wouldn't versus the likelihood of Patrick Mahomes completing a 10-yard pass. It's, it's got to be higher than a fucking trick play. Like, for the love of God. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, um, that's that. Um, anything else? Um... I mean, I, I think those were the big games. Yeah, those, those uh, are kind of the big storylines I could think. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, like the Buccaneers losing, I mean, they just had a lot of injuries right to their offense. Yeah, so, I mean, and it was like, a close game. Um, I mean, I'm personally not worried about them. No, I'm not concerned at all. I'm concerned. Yeah. All righty. Uh, do you want to jump into some power rankings? Yeah, let's do it. Um, let's do it, man. So top 10. Top 10 after week three. I mean... Kind of, I mean, I don't know what you're, you're gonna you're gonna have to make do with the fact, folks, that like you know Thursday night happened and that's gonna play a role into it. Unfortunately, although yeah, Wait, ideally, no, no, I, didn't, I, didn't, have, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, okay, really? I didn't. Okay, really, I didn't factor it in. This is as if I didn't watch the Thursday night game. Okay, as if I had not watched the Thursday. Um, all right, all right. Well, well, well. I'm gonna be very fascinated by how you're gonna place them, but. Alrighty, I mean, let's start from one again, I guess, because like it's I don't know, it's usually no, actually easier, it might right? be it might be more fun to do a start at ten this week. 
because they're like, okay because a lot of the the top teams like okay so last week just to like remind people my top five teams were the bills chiefs bucks eagles dolphins like three of these teams lost last week and then the chargers were six who also lost and the niners were seven who also lost where'd <laughs> like, uh, you get the jags were, were the jags in the top 10 for you? they were not in the top 10 well, hopefully I'm not spoiling anything. I didn't know anything, guys, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so, okay, I, well, yeah, let's start at 10. Um, and at number 10, I have the Los Angeles Chargers. I knew it. I knew it. Really? Really? I knew it. I knew they were gonna fall, and I and I was like, I was just like, my gut was telling me he's gonna he's gonna see the Chargers because I think the Chargers they experienced a substantial fall after that. One. They should. Uh, it was yeah. very disappointing. Um, and they're going to get better as they get healthier throughout the season. Hopefully, um, if they don't like get more mistakes, because like, uh, Justin Herbert was also like he got injured right early in the season, and he's still recovering. He's he's still in the middle of like he's playing through the injury. Um, yeah. Keenan Allen got injured early. He's still out for it for this week. Um, so like as as they get healthier, they should get better. But until then, they are barely a top ten team. And like, if if someone were to argue to me that I don't know, the Bengals should be like above them or something like that, then like I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that hard honestly against it because. How how is it that the Chargers do this every year? Where like you feel like their roster is so good, and then they're just like so disappointing in like everyone. <laughs> it's like every year. Like I don't understand. The thing is, like they even changed their head coach. They got a new quarterback. It doesn't matter. They're just so disappointing every year. I don't. I don't. They're know like they're that. they're like the Mets of football, kind of. Yeah, kind know? of actually. Yeah, they're very solid on paper, yeah. and um, yeah. Nothing really to show Just for. Disappointing. Um. So yeah, number ten, the Chargers, who are on thin ice. One more week of poor performance. They're they're gonna fall out of the top ten. They're 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 gonna get kicked out of there. Um. I'm not very attached to them having them. In- um. Number nine. Number nine are. Like, it feels bad putting them here a little bit because they won. Um, but it's the Los Angeles Rams um, who, who, okay. who won a, a game against the Cardinals, 20-12. to 12. Um, But frankly, I just wasn't that impressed with Rams play. Like, they, they, they did what they had to do to win a tough game. Um, but I just wasn't overly impressed and 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 more than that is that i i'm i feel better about the teams that are are ahead of them um so the there they were eight last week on my list and they they moved down to nine this week and it's and it's less about them being bad and, and more about some of the other team on this list i think um me being more calm. which brings me to number eight and our newcomer to the top ten the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. All right. They're just good. I I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain. I mean, I have explained it already, like, multiple times. 
that now for like it seems like the third week the jaguars are good honestly dude like i haven't read any power rankings after week three yeah i mean i feel like most of them should have jacksonville in the top 10 i hope so maybe maybe like nine or ten because i mean granted you're probably a little bit higher on them than a lot of people but i mean like what do you have to do like you 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 crush the Chargers in their home so 38-10. Like, what more do you want? You're two and one. Like, wow. The NFL does look not have them. The NFL.com doesn't have them in the top 10. They have them 18. That's wild. This is just that's disrespectful. Wild. No, no, I, I, that, that's extremely disrespectful. Wow. ESPN does not have them I, I in guess, the top 10. ESPN has to I be I guess 13. they're really underselling that win. Like, they're really using the injury excuse for the Chargers. Yeah. I... Sports Illustrated has them at 11. Like, I, none of them have them at top, top 10. EBS. Well, I mean, just curious. Oh, like, CBS uh, has them in the top 10. There you go. Number nine. Well, okay. Jacksonville beats the Eagles. Where, where, where can they realistically be next week? So like we're we gonna have to find out if if everything <laughs> let let me get to my number one and then we can talk about that. How about okay. that? How about that? Right, um. Right. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are number eight. I think we've we've heard a lot about how high I am on. This. Um. Number seven are the Green Bay Packers, who move up two spots. Um. After beating the Bucks in a very very close game. Um. The Bucs are a very, very good team, and the Packers beat them. I will say that I don't think that the Packers outplayed the Bucs. I think the Bucs, similar to the Bills, were a little unlucky in this game. If you rewatch the game, the Bucs offense actually does a very good job moving against the Packers defense. Uh, they just like don't end up scoring um, as often as they like realistically should, or as well as they played um and on the other hand other side um the bucks defense kept aaron Rodgers to just 14 points they also did a very good job of stifling the run game which should be the strength of the packers um similar to what i what i was saying about the bills and dolphins game and it being kind of an anomaly like if we run the bucks packers game back a hundred times i would only expect this result maybe 10 percent of the um so yeah the packers are a very good team but i think they got a little lucky in in winning this very very close game against the bucks um if tom brady converts that two-point conversion at the end of the game to tie the game and they go to overtime uh it the result could have eaten the other side um and that brings me to number six where i have the tampa bay buccaneers uh who fall down actually from three to six in my rankings and i mean obviously the reason is number one they lost right um but number two they 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 showed some level of of vulnerabilities um and and it's really within their their interior offensive line which is what i had concerns about last week the year week before that and even all the way back to the priest right i talked about how they have vulnerabilities and weakness in the interior offensive line. And when the interior offensive line 
um, gets pushed in and Tom Brady isn't able to climb up in the pocket, that's when Tom Brady struggles. And the Bucs only score 12 points against, yes, what is a very stout Packers defense, but 12 points is putrid, right? Um, so they're definitely showing their vulnerabilities in addition to the fact that they're also working through some injuries as well. Um, so it's a combination of those things that, that move the Bucks down to number six. Then we get into our top five. Number five are the Kansas City Chiefs who fall from number two to number five. Um, wow. I think, wow. and I, so it's two things. One is their defense is, is solid. It's not like super good. Um, it's, I don't think it's a top 10 defense. Now that I'm really thinking about, and, and I watched them one more week against the Colts. Um, I feel like they, they're not a top 10 unit, or at the very least, they're a, a, a volatile unit, which is what they have been for the last couple of years, in fact. So they are, they're very like, uh, they have a lot of playmakers, but they're not as consistent as you would expect a top 10 defense, um, which puts the team into some precarious situations. And then the offense, I think, kind of took a step back. They, I think the problem with the offense is that, like, I don't know if create, like, lack of creativity is the right phrase because they are creative in, in the plays that they run, meaning, like, they don't run the same plays as other people. But I think it's that they are predictable, wherein they're running the same plays over and over again. They've kind of lost the, uh, the novelty in their offense. And when you don't have a game breaker like Tyreek Hill, um, and this is where, where like the chiefs and like the dolphins, let's say are different or the Eagles, like the dolphins have game breakers, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. The Eagles have AJ Brown and Devonte Smith. The chiefs have. <laughs> they don't have anyone. They don't have anyone who breaks the game like that. Travis Kelsey is a very good tight end. He's not a game breaker like Tyree Kill is. Like, right? He's not going to make the long distance. Exactly. Travis Kelsey isn't going to grab the ball, like get a five yard catch, and then run it up the field for seventy yards. Right? Like he's not. He'll, he'll grind out first downs for you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But that, like, it, but the NFL to win in the NFL, you need big plays meaning you need plays that are 20 plus yards. Like that is the, actually the, of all metrics, that's actually the highest correlated with wins in the NFL are big plays. And so when you don't have that, um, that factor, um, and then on top of that, your offense is predictable. It's, it's a recipe for, for disaster. And if the chiefs don't fix this, uh, they're going to be in trouble. Um, so that's why they moved down for me. Number four. Whew, they moved up a lot. Are the Baltimore Ravens moving up from 10 to four? Um, yeah, surprised at that. Well, I, yeah, I was wondering, like, you know, I'm not hearing the Ravens. I'm not hearing the Ravens. I'm like, did he push him up? I, I don't think that's going to happen, but okay. I moved this them is up. Really, this is really high, man. I moved them up pretty far. Um, it's a combination of, it's a combination of, um, like, like, I, I like them better than teams below them for sure. Um, and then I think Lamar is just playing out of his, of his goddamn mind. Like, 
he's playing better than he was during his MVP season. Um, and bam, he just looks really good and and able to beat almost any defense. Like it's impossible to stop. Like it's just when you think about how you're going to stop Lamar Jackson, there is no right answer because you can't like if Lamar just makes the right decisions. There is no way to stop him. Like, there's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just not possible. On top of that, they're getting healthier. J.K. Dobbins is coming back um, from injury. Uh, Rashad Bateman is proving that he is a legitimate threat. Um, Mark Andrews continues to be one of the best tight ends in football, if not the best pass-catching tight end in football. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, their defense hasn't been the greatest, um, I will say. But I, what I like about their defense is that, um, one, they do enough to get the job done. But two, they also are very create, creative on defense um, and they're coached very well. Um, so I have confidence that like whoever they end up playing against, they'll have a good game plan at least coming in, even if the execution is not perfect. Um, and then, man, what was what was my last reason for putting Ravens up this high? Uh, <laughs> I mean, putting thirty-seven up against Bill Belichick. I mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, enough said. Kind of. I guess. I guess. Very, I, guess very I guess enough said there. Um, yeah. Then let's see. Number. Uh, oh, I guess the last point here was, yeah, they were ten for me last week. But I think as we were talking, if you remember, I was talking about how. I felt like the Ravens kind of threw the game against the Dolphins um, and they're that caliber of team and they should really be higher than 10. Um, so I, I feel like, yeah, they technically rose from like 10 to four for me, but like, I feel like in my head, they were more like a seven ish team last than like a 10 ish. Um, in any case, now we get into our top three and number three, I have, this is three to a injury. Well, Free to a wait. Free to a post injury. God, I don't know. Pre pre week four. Okay, um, this is pre week four Dolphins. Um, at on the yep. number three spot. Um, which comes after obviously a big win against the Bills. Um, their defense is very 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 good. Um, they're extremely fast. And they're pretty big up front as well. But more than I, I think I think the speed is really what sets their defense apart um, at all levels of the defense, um, from the line all the way back to safety. Um and so I, I think that's what really rounds out this team because then on the other side you have this very creative offense that that again, like I mentioned last week, defenses are still trying to figure out. Um and you had um Tua who was very, very effective and efficient at running this offense. Um, so I think the one piece that they're missing is a very good running back, um, which is a little less uh, important in an offense like this. But still, like, if we go back to, if we if we think about like the Thursday night game, for instance, um, against the Bengals that they just played, uh, they could have won that game if, like, Chase Edmonds just, like, doesn't drop the ball twice in the end zone. Like, it, it could have been a very different game if that doesn't happen. Um, 
So I'm still very high on the Dolphins. Um, obviously not as high as this now, giving like knowing that Tua is out for at least um, a couple of weeks for because of injury. But I think that this roster is just very, very strong. Um, and they have the right pieces on both sides of the ball, which get, makes them a very balanced and dangerous. Um, I don't know how far I would drop them in my power rankings now that I know this new information. Um, but they wouldn't fall out of the top. I'll tell you. That. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, here we go. Number two. I have then hmm. the Buffalo Bills, who interestingly Ooh. lost okay. to the Dolphins. Um, and were number one for me last week. Uh, so the it Bills does feel somewhat wrong to put them at number one, right? Uh, yes, it, it definitely feels wrong to put them at number one because they did. So, like, here's my thing about the Bills is like, I, I felt like they play outplayed the Dolphins. Um, so I didn't want to ding them too much for losing, but at the same time, I couldn't keep them at number one after they lost the game, right? Like, it just... Yeah, and the thing is, is, I mean, I don't know, like, maybe you agree with me, but I think I can very well see them back in number one next week. Yes, yes, 100%. Which is... So definitely not a... Which is why I wanted to save the conversation about, like, how far the Jacks can go up, um... Uh, before yeah, yeah anyway so two are the bills and then number one are obviously the, the the eagle um the only undefeated team now remaining in the nfl um i i said it last week i said it during the preseason this is one of the best rosters um in the nfl they are big they are fast they are physical they're strong um the eagles should be favorites for for the super bowl at this point um, because it's not just that they have a strong roster like the Chargers. Unlike the Chargers, they actually play well. Um, so <laughs> um, the Eagles, Eagles fans should be excited. Um, because they 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 do look like, if not the strongest, one of the two. Yeah, one of the two strongest teams in the NFL right now. Uh, and. Yeah, though that those are my power rankings. I, I, I guess I should I, I I guess I should go through them. So like one through ten. So starting at the top is the Eagles, the Bills, Dolphins, Ravens, Chiefs, Bucks, Packers, Jaguars, the Rams, Chargers, and All right. Well, I mean, I, well, we got to go back to the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jacksonville versus Eagles. I think I think that's going to be like you know, definitely one of the games to look out for. I think it's going to be a very good one. Uh, Jacksonville wins. I mean, how how far up are you propelling them? I mean, so for me, it, the the reason why I I wanted to talk about it afterwards is it depends on how well the Bills play. Um, right? It's like, oh wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> Like, are what? you saying that they have, like, top two potential or something? Like, this is... Yes. What? Yes. Listen, if the Jaguars beat the Eagles... Holy shit. If the Jaguars beat the Eagles, that's big time. I get that, but... Like, two? 
Maybe. I mean, it depends on how some of these. Because, like, look, look, look. Look at the teams. Number three is the Dolphins, who are inevitably going to fall, right? Because of Tua. Correct. Right? Then you have the Ravens and the Chiefs. Um, the Ravens have a very, yeah. very... They have a ton the of... Buc- the Buccaneers are right there, too, man. Yeah, the Bucs are right there, too. But the Bucs also just lost a game. Like... I don't know. If the Jags beat the Eagles, I'm ready to propel them. Like... Listen, I'm not going to be the kind of... Like... Yeah, the Bucs are going to look really good next week. They're playing the Falcons. No, they're not playing the Falcons. Oh, they're playing the uh, Chiefs. Well, if the Buccaneers win against the Chiefs, you know, like, you know, are you going to... It's going to be pretty big. But this is what I'm saying. It's like, we need to see how, like, how, how it all pans out, right? I mean, but, like, we're starting with a ceiling of two already. But all, yeah. yeah, but what I'm saying is, if, like, everything falls right, if everything falls right for them... They could, I could see them at number two, theoretic, theoretically, I'm saying. Like, it's not, it's a non-zero chance of them being at two. I'm not All saying, right. I'm, I'm not saying that's the likely, like, that's the likely uh, scenario. I'm just saying there's a non-zero chance of it happening. That, I mean, th- that alone is a very, uh, listen, very, very, very strong words, man. Listen, I'm not going to be a pussy analyst and be like, oh, it's the Jaguars, so they can't possibly be good. The Jaguars are good. Like, <laughs> I'm right, sorry. Right, I'm sorry. They're good. Like, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> you already. I, well, I, I'm definitely going to be paying close attention to that game because um, we all are. Yeah, that one's going to be big. Buccaneers versus Chiefs. I mean, like, like, well, here's here's where, because here's where I think like number two as a ceiling is kind of ludicrous. Because, like I said, right? So you have Chiefs and Buccaneers. Yeah. Whoever the winner of that game is, they're gonna get a lot of props. Yeah. And so, like, and and somebody's gotta win. I mean, unless you're saying like they're gonna draw or something. But what but if like, they? What if they win? Like, what if the game is like bad and they just like both like play poorly? Or I, mean, I guess. Or, but it's or like, listen, it, listen, Andy. What if? What if? Let's say the Bucks win. But in the process, Tom Brady got injured. See, that's oh. what I'm saying. There's a non-zero chance of, of right, it happening, all right. right? Okay, okay. Yeah, see? <laughs> it's why well, I'm, I'm not going to well, that, that would be out. a chaotic universe. That, that would, would be, be crazy. Universe. It would be crazy. It would be crazy. I will say that. I will say that. Well, well ladies and gentlemen, I mean, uh, before you tune into the next uh, week's episode, I mean, <laughs> check the title before posting up uh, because, you know, if there is something like that, um, it'll for sure be uh, spoiled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All righty. All righty. Uh, shall we move on? Yeah. Shall we move on to MLB? A mob. Yes. Uh, well, first, we got to start out by, you know, talking history was made, right? Albert Pujols. Honestly, like, he's having – it's not just the fact that Albert Pujols – it's 700 home runs. His 700 home, uh, 700th home run in Dodger Stadium. He, he did it with such emphatic, you know, fashion. Hitting two, uh, two home runs in a single game to get it. Leaving no doubt. Nuts. And, you know, single-handedly, you know, propelling um, uh, the Cardinals' performance that night. Uh, he is, he's playing 
like bonkers this season. Like for his age, he's his OPS is like eight five four. That's I think like one of the highest, maybe the highest that I've seen from him since he left St. Louis yeah, his even, first time. Even for not his age, like like he's like yeah, so well, good. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I mean by Albert's standards, we're talking about like a one point one OPS kind of guy. Yeah, like, yeah. I yeah, mean yeah. that's just that's just who he yeah. is, right? I'm saying relative but, to the rest of the league. But, like, honestly, like, he has not looked this good, like, since arguably leaving the Cardinals after his first tenure. Crazy. And, I mean, we all know that at the end, like, when it's all said and done, he's 100% going in as a Cardinal. Uh, that's where he had most of, like, all of his success. Yeah. And really, everybody knew when he joined the Angels that he, you know, the peak of his achievements and his resume were probably behind him. And he was just cashing out a check. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with that. He could just, you know, go to the Angels, you know, make uh, make a big check and put up individual numbers. And uh, truth be told is that even the numbers that he put up there were, it was a pretty big drop off. Yeah. And uh, based on all those factors, you would not have forecasted him to be this good. And, you know, hitting, I was honestly saying that thinking when he, when we first came into this season, I was thinking, well, Albert said that the season is going to be his last and I actually did, I thought that it would be a very, you know, nice fairy tale ending to see uh, to his career, to see, to, you know, have him hit his 700 home runs. But I didn't see that coming. I didn't even think that he was going to get regular playing time. The Cardinals are a solid team. Um, and I know that, you know, with the NL, the National League adopting the DH, um, the DH role, like I, I thought, okay, maybe he'll he'll get some, you know, at bats, but there he's nowhere near, you know, what he used to be, uh, and so this is uh, this is just an insane uh, performance by him this season, and I mean, people are already saying, I mean, where, when is the fairy tale going to end? Do the Cardinals have a chance for a World Series? Uh, I'm just going to put that to bed. Uh, they don't, but <laughs> you know what? That's fine. <laughs> okay why, why can't fun. why can't they be the jaguars of the mlb man um because dude like baseball this season is like there are really really good, good teams. teams yeah you're right yeah and it's like the top five the cardinals, is insane, right the cardinals are like they're a big fish in a small pond in that division so you know i i can't you know are they better the than fairy tales to happen uh, no. no. See, which is already I'll, like I'll, means they Yeah, I'll get into why. But they they, chance, yeah, they're they're not. They um, really don't have a chance. They're a good team though. Um and um but good is not enough. Yeah. But and it, it's, he's a legend though. Absolutely. Uh first ballot Hall of Famer, and he's of course gonna go in as a St. Louis Cardinal. I mean, and it's so awesome that he was able to do this as a Cardinal. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and because like, you know, That's when sick. he signed it, when he signed, it just seemed like a, he's just having his victory lap and like he'll like, you know, he'll just travel with the team kind of. Yeah. And, you know, put in some at-bats, you know, here and there, uh, you know, make it uh, make, uh, you know, just be platooning. That's kind of what I expected. But he's he's just playing at a level you can't not play the guy. I mean, he's to actually he's actually good. To <laughs> so, put in perspective his like career renaissance, if you will, it's like who would have thought who would have thought that a guy at age 35 would, you know, be, be an all-star, 
and then not be an all-star for seven years after his 35-year-old season and then be an all-star again. Like, that's unheard a, of. That's literally unheard of in any sport ever. Well, it's a, his wins above replacement has him at 1.5 this year. That's wow. the that's the highest since he had that wow. uh, All Star season. Yeah, um, it's honestly like it, it's not a groundbreaking like you know number at yeah. all. But I mean, you know, you just have to take everything into perspective. It's, being it's an 42 amazing fucking campaign. years old. Yeah. Um, moving on to uh, Aaron Judge. Um, Jesus. Unfortunately, you know, tying the uh, all time home run record. I say unfortunately not because I have anything personal against the Aaron Judge, but. You hate to be the team that kind of gives up the highlight. Um, he did, <laughs> yes, uh, travel up above the border, and he just smacked that thing. He just uh, uh, sixty-one homers, uh, tied for all-time most for an American League player in a single campaign. And honestly, if somebody was going to break the record, it was going to be somebody to the likes of him because he is a he's. He's just such a threat at at, at bat uh, this season, and and the Blue Jays throughout the series series they were not shy on walking Aaron Judge if they felt it to be tactically necessary. I think the second game of that series, Aaron Judge ended up walking three or four times in one game, and so and and I'm just gonna take a moment to say you know all the analysts out there saying like you know the Blue Jays are no fun for doing that. Shut the fuck up. Like, like we're a team that's trying to win. Like, like, and I'll get into why we need to win these games. Like, we're just trying to do what is best to win the game. I mean, like, you tell me, would you rather be like, would you rather get a run scored on you like right off the bat? Or would you just rather walk him? You know, we're not doing this to, you know, give the baseball fans blue balls. We're trying to win games here, man. If I was playing against Aaron Judge, I would walk him every single fucking time. Like when, like in, like honestly, like it, like peak Barry Bonds, they were walking him every time he came up to play, right? uh, Yeah, and then we're talking about a guy that's like seriously like that level of a threat. Yeah, he's Um, just fucking nuts. And so, like, like of course you're not gonna want to like pitch to this guy. I mean, if there's a runner on second with one out, every single time I'm like walking him to set up the double play. Like, there's no way that I wouldn't. And so it's like, you know, all these people, I think Stephen A. Smith was talking about it too, about how, you know, the Blue Jays are not letting the baseball fans have any fun. Dude, at the end of the day, we're trying to win games here. And so uh, I, I really pay no attention to those kind of critics. Uh, but, but he hit 61 um, just to cap off what has been an insane uh, campaign for him as well. I don't know how many wins above replacement he has, but uh, it must be something serious. Uh, but he's uh, he's had a really good campaign. Honestly, a big reason of why, like you know, people are still really high on the Yankees making a good run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they had a they had a little bit of a dip in form um, in the early kind of mid second half of the season, but recent games like they've really picked it up. I think they're nine and one in their last ten, and so they're really heading into the off season or to the postseason with um, uh, with with a lot of things to be optimistic about. That being said, uh, the season is coming to a close. Most teams have six games left uh, in their campaign, so two series um, left in the bag. And with that, uh, the playoff you know, picture in general, we kind of know who's going to be playing in them. 
It's just a matter of how the seeding is going to look like. And keep in mind, you know, the seeding, of course, is important for this season, especially because, you know, we, as always, we have wildcard rounds and we have teams with buys. But, uh, you know, the, the wildcard best out of three is going to be played entirely in the higher seeds home soil. And so if you have a uh, first wild card, they are going to be playing the second wild card. And they, the three game wild card series will be taking place at the first seed wild card uh, for all three games. So that's a big advantage. This is not a two and one. It's, 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 it's a three. So you really want that home soil advantage if you can get it. And so right now, I mean, starting off with the American League, we know the Yankees uh, clinched, uh, clinched their division. They're going to clinch one of the top two seeds for um, the among the leaders of each division. And so that's the Yankees and the Astros. They're definitely going to get a bye. And from then on, it's kind of, um, it, well, first of all, the Guardians are going to be one of the higher seeds. I mean, they won their division, but uh, for they will be playing in the wildcard round as a home team. And then who is the other you know, team that's going to be uh, getting home field advantage for their wildcard series? So you have three teams that look like um, they should be solidified, almost surefire bets to be um, uh, barring some kind of disaster. I mean, the Orioles are, they're mathematically possible to get in, but that's not going to happen. Uh, the Blue Jays, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Seattle Mariners are kind of duking it out for the last home field spot. And this is why I'm saying, you know, to those Yankee fans that are criticizing the Blue Jays, like every win actually matters because whoever is going to be um, the best among those three teams, they are going to get home field advantage for that uh, wildcard series game. And I got to say, uh, the Blue Jays, they're up two games on uh, their foes and they're playing the Red Sox. They're up 8 nothing right now. So things are looking pretty good. <laughs> That's for sure. And uh, so, so they got two more games to play against the Red Sox who've been having a bad season. And then they're playing the Orioles who are now looking like a decent team. But... The Blue Jays look good to take that on, but I mean, it's at the same time, the Mariners have an extremely easy schedule. They're playing against the Athletics and they're playing against the Tigers, who are basically their pushovers this season. Okay. And so uh, the Mariners, I mean, they're not going to win all seven other games, but yeah, I don't know. They might go six and one and, you know, put, uh, put a little bit of a scare. And so that's something to keep on the lookout for. Um, but you know, I, I guess I guess we'll talk more about like you know the postseason, like you know who we're projecting to take it all, um, and how things play out. We can talk about that next week, but that's just the lay of the land for the American League, the National League. Uh, definitely very interesting. Uh, the Dodgers, of course, we don't have to talk about them. They're you know they're shoe ins for a buy, and not even close. The thing is, is uh, the Cardinals, uh, winners of the NL Central, but like I said. Don't really see them, you know, making that big of a splash, but they are going to be guaranteed a wild card series at home. And then as for the NL East, a lot of things up in the air, right? So right now the Mets are one game above the Braves. And are the Braves still winning that game? Yep. So the uh, so the Mets are it the Mets are in town in Atlanta playing a three-game series. Probably going to be the, you know, 
the focus for most baseball fans this weekend is going to be that series. The Mets are above one game on them, but if the Braves can pull out a two-win uh, series win, they pull out a series sweep, then that means that they will be tied with the uh, Mets on record or they'll be better. And But the thing is, is that the Mets have the tiebreaker above the Braves. And so if the season were to end in a tie, that would mean that the Mets would uh, advance to, the, uh, to take the bye and the Braves be taking the wildcard series home spot. But here, yeah, but here's the thing, right? The Mets are losing right now. And it's 4-1 and time is ticking. We're in the bottom of the seventh. So, I mean, Mets have two more shots to turn this game around. It, I mean, three runs, is that's a bigger hole than they were in last time we checked. So, things are not looking good. We're going to head into the last five games of the season with a, a tied record. And just to kind of clarify... After this series, the Mets are going to be playing the Nationals. Braves are going to be playing the Marlins. Both opponents should be easily winnable. Um, and whoever gets the sweep might actually, you know, uh, might actually end up taking it. So uh, th- there's a lot to look out for there. And as for the other two spots, I mean, the Phillies are fighting for it. The Brewers are fighting for it. The Padres, I would say, are comfortably, you know, going to take it. I, I believe in the Padres. The Padres are an interesting team, right? Because as we know, Fernando Tatis was supposed to come back. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about like a couple months ago, they signed Juan Soto. And like, Tatis is like on deck to come back. He's slated to come back. You know, like Padres were like, people were saying, you know, World Series contenders, let's go. Yeah. And Tatis gets injured. Or no, sorry, Tatis gets suspended. And now we're talking about a very different story. And if you're a Padres fan, you are fuming. You guys pulled off one of the biggest trades in deadline history just for your star player to just get himself suspended Crazy. and effectively sink all the postseason hopes that you had. Uh, honestly, like, I, I don't know what to say to Padres fans, except, you know, I, I feel for you. Like, this is... You know, I still don't know if I would have put you over the Dodgers or, you know, maybe even the Mets or the Braves. But, yeah, that's, you know, that's just the way she goes. Um, on the bright side, though, Ha-Sung Kim is lighting it up for them. Uh, he's, I think he's, I think he's their second best player based on wins above replacement. I mean, that just goes to show you how good he is on the defensive end. Damn. He's a premier defender, which is so funny because he's one of the guys that, you know, never really showed or never really had a reputation for having amazing leather in the Korean leagues. He was a, he was a hitter. He was known for being a hitter. And then it's so funny how he comes over seas to, uh, made to, to the bigs. And now he's kind of the opposite. He's really known for his leather and his bat is league average. But the thing is, is his leather is so good that he's kind of, you know, unbenchable yeah. right now based on how he's playing. Uh, and the thing is with the bat too, you know, the, like I said, the issue for him was always catching up to that fastball. And so he's, he's improving. Um, all of his uh, hitting metrics have improved greatly since the last season. And, you know, even in the beginning of the season where he looked a little bit more like his last season self, this season he's shown progression. And so, you know, it's an encouraging sign to think, well, maybe why can't he be a, an above average hitter next season? I mean, who knows? And so, I mean, uh, so like the silver lining is, right, is that because with Tatis coming back, 
you know, it's a question of where Kim is going to play. They're both playing the shortstop position, but within Tatis's absence, Kim has stepped up and done, you know, a, a, a very good job, you know, uh, you know, to his own credit. And so the Padres are looking good to take that second wild card uh, spot. And really it's, you know, Phillies versus Brewers. I mean, who's going to, who, who wants it more? I mean, they're only one game is separating them. I really like the Brewers. Um, they have a pretty well-rounded offense with, you know, a, 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 a bit of like, you know, good players, Adamas, a Rowdy Tellez is having like a really nice season in terms of like a home run uh, from home runs perspective. Uh, Christian Yelich is he's, he's not himself. He's not his old self. He's not an MVP caliber player like he used to be, but he's still a net positive to that team. They've got Colt Wong. And so they got a lot of like, you know, small pieces that work really well. And so they could be a, you know, they could really, I think, put the pressure on the Phillies. I actually like them more than the Phillies, to be honest. And so um, really got to look up for them. And not to mention the Brewers, they're going up against the Marlins. They're going up against the Diamondbacks. These are teams that they can roll over. And the Phillies, I don't think you could say the same. I mean, who are they going up against? Um, they got the Nationals, which is, okay, fine. They should be able to beat them. But they're going up against the Astros. They're going against the Astros in the last um, series. So don't be surprised if next time, next week, we come back and we see that the Phillies choked it. Because honestly... <laughs> If they don't make it to the postseason, I'm not even going to be calling it a choke. They objectively had a harder schedule to round out the season. I mean, like, you know, it happens. And so unless the only thing that I can see, you know, the Phillies, like, you know, benefiting off of is maybe if the Astros take like one, one or two games off just to like, you know, rest. But I don't see that happening either because the Astros have a bye anyway. So like, what are they going to slow down for? I mean, really, what's the point, right? Um and uh, I think that's about it. Uh, but, you know, the Mets Braves, the thing that we got to look out for um, this weekend, uh, looks like uh, this game is, uh, yeah, 5-1 now. So yeah, it's going to uh, wrap it, up, it, it looks like. Yeah, and so we're going to be looking at an identical record um, with the asterisk uh, in Mets' favor going into the last five games. Um, that's really for the NL East, who gets, who gets the bye. And why is the bye important? Who, why is it important? Um, who gets the Mets, uh, who gets the buy between the Mets and the Braves? Of course, you know, not just for the league purposes, but folks, next week, we are going to have Keep It 111 recorded in one location. We're going to have it in Sheesh. Atlanta. And not only that, we are going to be going to the game uh, for the Braves. Uh, tentatively, if the Braves are, are forced to play the wildcard series, we're going to be going to that one game too, and we're going to be giving you guys uh, the analysis heading into the game. You know, really the in depth. What can we expect? And of course, we'll be talking a lot about the MLB postseason. So be sure to tune in for that. Um, oh, that's about it for baseball for me. Um, shall we move on to chess? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Oh wait, uh, wait, wait, wait! Before we move on to chess, we should also just briefly mention that. Aaron Judge is going for like all the home run stuff, but also he's going for a triple crown. He, also true. Yeah, he is. Uh, I think he just needs to catch up in batting average. Um, and like, I think home runs and what is it, RBIs? So like he's he's already like way too far ahead. Like, there, 
no one's gonna catch up to him. So he really just yeah, has he's, to. He's got the home runs and RBIs yeah, locked down. I think, yeah, uh, he really just, just has to get you. the uh, the batting average, and then uh, it'd be a triple crown for him. Obviously, like there would be a myriad of other statistics than like he would like he um, on top of like OPS and and slugging and all that. Stuff, right. I um, mean, Judge's three one three. Arias, who is ahead of him, is three one five. Yeah, he, he's right there. Oh, he's literally right there. Yeah, All it takes yeah, is Arias to like slump for yeah, a couple dude, games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he he doesn't like he strikes out a couple times and be I it. mean, the problem is is that if, if he continues to get walked as much as he did, yeah, against, yeah, like, that's the, the, the biggest Jays, thing, right? He's not going to get enough cracks to really turn it around. Right, and, right, um, right. I mean, so, I mean, we'll we'll see. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But he's right there. He's right there. It's also something something interesting. I mean, that that would be wicked. I th- I mean, that's got to be like the last, the first cr- triple crown since Miguel Cabrera did it's it. Like, twelve, in yeah, in twenty twelve. Yep. All right. So I mean, yeah. I mean, and just to like make it clear, like triple that by no means means that triple crowns happen once every 10 years so miguel rare. cabrera was the first one in like a really it's long like, time at that point i think there only been like what 12 instances like ever. i actually don't know i i'm pretty sure i think it's, there are, it's, it's exceedingly rare there have been that. less than 20 for sure May, probably like less than 15 over like 100 years yeah <laughs> so judge judges at and like, my God, like this is a guy that was like refusing to sign a contract. I know. He's gonna get an insane it's amount. It's crazy. Of money. And but that's the thing though, is that I, I was I was uh I think it was on Twitter or something. Someone was like talking about how like like they like Aaron Judge is going off, but they still wouldn't give him like the fat contract for that period of time because he's just getting older, right? I mean, dude. If Judge is like twenty four years old, I oh, could see on. the Yankees. Yeah. If I could see the Yankees throwing like not a billion, but like, are they allowed to give him a twenty year contract? Is that lo- like allowed? Is that allowed? I mean, we've seen like ten plus year contracts. Okay, so the I mean, thing is, kind of ridiculous though. Twenty is kind of ridiculous. He's he's thirty, and and um. Pools is forty two, like I could see, I could see a twelve year contract. Yeah, is it not so unreasonable to yeah. give him a a ten year, like fifteen year? I I I would expect like, I mean, like this season changed everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. changed everything. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. like, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I said about him, right, coming into the season. I said that, like, you, you know, said he wasn't worth it. I think. I, I was saying that I, I, I don't know what the number that I like was proposing was. Yeah, yeah. But I, what I was saying is that, like, first of all, given the age, I can't give him a 10 year. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I'm sure yeah, I said, yeah. I, think you I don't said know if it was bad. 10 that I was uncomfortable with or eight or 12, but I think that's what it was. You know, yeah. I know for a fact if you asked me in the beginning of the season, would I give Aaron Judge a 10 year? I would probably say no. Yeah, yeah. I think. Right. And it's like, I would have said, like, you know, we sh- I'll try to give him like a six year. And like you know, like yeah, we definitely like above like thirty million per year, like you know two hundred million for over like six years. Like I could see that. Yeah. Now it's like, I mean, is five hundred million out of the question? I don't think so. It's the freaking New York Yankees that we're talking about. Yeah, dude. exactly. That's the other thing that it's, it's <laughs> the Yankees. He's 
Oh, like it, it's crazy. It's 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 it, absolutely. The Yankees can't let this guy walk, dude. Like, of course, the the fan base not. has expectations. Yes, and um, at the very least, the fan base is gonna expect the Yankees to at least match anybody out there. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, dude, it's um. I mean, let me just double check when his free agency is uh, eligible. Free agent is um, not this year, but the next. Um, they're going to throw an extension at him. They're going to try again. And um, honestly, I mean, if you're Aaron Judge, I think you, you, you have, if I'm him, I have to work something out with the Yankees. Like, what would you? And I know it sounds crazy because, because the thing is, like, it doesn't get any better than a potential triple crown. What would it you literally does not. What would you accept if you were him? Because he was off. He turned down seven years, two hundred and ten or two hundred thirteen. I think he should accept uh, anything over like three fifty million. I think so. So to get to three fifty, it'd be ten years at thirty five or something. Yeah, like 10 years at 35, I think you should accept that. You're 30 years old, man. You're going to be 31 next year. But like, see, that's the, thing for, that's the thing for Judge, though, is that like he's, he's 30, but he's made like nothing over the, over, like, the last like how, how much? seven years of his career. You know what I mean? I mean, like, the only thing that I could see, like, being a concern is, I mean, the Yankees are playing well, but the fact of the matter is, it's like, yes, they're the Yankees, and they'll always have cash to spend and to bring in talent, but they're not, outside of Aaron Judge, like, they're not, like, the best roster out there. Yeah, 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 agreed. agreed. Um, like, they, and, don't, they don't sniff the Dodgers, right? Not like, even close. Yeah, exactly. Like, and um, even like the Braves, even that you'd be. I like, would much rather be on the Braves. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I would much rather be on the Mets. Although I don't know if you do that. That's a little bit. Yeah, crazy I don't know about that. Go for the Yankees. That's, I don't that's know a little about bit that. of a. Yeah, that's. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, honestly, like thinking about like a ten-year future, like I even think the Blue Jays are a better spot to be in, um, given the uh the youth of their core. Um, so if, if Aaron Judge also wants to win a lot, I mean, the Yankees are good now, but believe it or not, a lot of that has to do with him being so good. Yes, yes. So like, he could just pick it up and go somewhere else that's a better position and like become surefire World Series contenders yeah. um, with, yeah. with another team. So, I mean, he might be thinking about that too. But if I'm him, I mean, financially speaking, I mean, baseball is also a sport where, you know, success is not guaranteed. And... For, for Aaron Judge, it's a little bit different going into this season not agreeing on a contract because he has two more seasons before free agency. If this season doesn't work out, then he's always got the next one, right? But if after this season, he happens to have, you know, even if he doesn't have like a great season, it's not going to tank his value. But I mean, is the 350, 10 years going to be on the table? Probably not, Probably right? Not. So it's like, you know... Uh, you got to think a little bit about those things. And, uh, but, you know, but at the same time, I, I could see him being a 40 million per guy uh, easily. 
because his value is just too good. Like this is otherworldly kind of level of, yeah. um, yeah, value that he's he's brought to the table this season. Interesting to see how it pans out, though. Um, I think we can move on out of chess. Yeah, let's do it. Um, well, I mean, we we need not elaborate. I mean, like you know, the background of the story of Carlson Neiman, the cheating scandal that has shook the chess world and made some noise in just the regular world. I mean, a lot of people are hearing about the scandal of Hans Neiman and whether or not he has, as a professional chess player, he has been cheating in live chess games and allegations from the world champion, undisputed greatest player in the world, Magnus Carlsen, saying a public explicit statement on Twitter saying that he believes. And, and, and keep in mind, right, last week, these were suspicions um, that Magnus Carlsen was thinking that had, had thought that Hans Niemann had cheated. But, you know, it was nevertheless not an explicit statement from the world champion himself. And now we have that. Magnus Carlsen saying that he believes Hans Niemann has cheated more often and more recently than he, than Hans Niemann has admitted publicly. And keep in mind, folks, Hans Niemann publicly admitted to cheating online for, uh, for online chess events when he was younger, 12 years, 14 years. But Magnus Carlsen now coming out and saying that he believes that there has been more recent cases of this. And based on... What a lot of people, I mean, curious to hear your thoughts on this, Anha, but a lot of people thought the quote-unquote evidence or corroboration for this was very spotty. Magnus Carlsen claiming that the reason why he felt this was because Hans Neiman was supposedly spending less time in what Magnus Carlsen thought to be moments in a game where it deserved more focus and deserved more dedication of time to think about. Uh, and he thought that, you know, Basically, Hans Niemann was playing confidently and quickly in moments where he did not expect to happen. And so, I mean, I mean, I have my thoughts about the situation now. I mean, I guess I'll go first on how I, I, I told you last week, right, mm -hmm. that I am looking forward to Magnus Carlsen's statement afterwards. And whatever Magnus Carlsen comes out with is going to determine my stance on it. Mm -hmm. What he came out with was absolute bullshit. Mm -hmm. Okay? There is... That, that wasn't evidence at all. And it was actually... You know, that kind of statement was what I... I'm not going to say fear because I don't really have bias towards Magnus Carlsen nor, um, you know, bias against Hans Niemann. Maybe slightly against Hans Niemann. I mean, just because I know of his antics and his personality, uh, you know, from when he was... You know, I mean, he still is young, but even from a couple of years ago, he's had like, you know, stories and he's had a reputation. But this was the kind of statement that I was fearing that Magnus Carlsen was going to come out with because I was thinking, how on earth can he come up with more? And it turns out he can't. This is all he, he's got. And it's like, it's really a shame because can you imagine... You know, a basketball player of, like, LeBron James' stature coming out and saying, hey, I think, you know, 
Steph Curry. Okay, Steph Curry is a little bit too high of a player, but let's see. I think you know, you know, Donovan Mitchell's on steroids or something. Like it's, it's just it, it's incredulous, and it, it really, I, I he needs to understand right that he has such an important grip and perspective in the chess community that he can just say words and. Even if they aren't true, even if they're completely false, he can still, you know, influence the chess sphere in his in, in however he desires to a certain degree, even if those words are incorrect. And we're seeing that, I think, because there's a lot of people who are saying, you know, if Magnus Carlsen is saying something, you know, that means something. And I understand the perspective. But at the same time, at the end of the day, there is nothing concrete at all. And this is not a fair thing to do uh, to Hans. And so, um, I mean, that's, that, that's what I think. I mean, I, 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 yeah. What do you guys think? All right. So, oh, man. Did you, did you read the, the Vice article on, on Delugi? I did. I did. All right, but, so, but, but, but here's what I think about that one, too. I mean, you okay, can go ahead. Okay. I read no, 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 it. I read it. Okay, what, what did you think? It's all propensity evidence, in my opinion. You're just trying to establish, you know, someone's, you know, propensity or their, like, you know, disposition and, you know, trying to paint uh, Hans by association, right? That he would be the kind of guy to do it. And, like, that's just scummy, in my opinion. I, like it's 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 a valid point to make in the grand scheme of it. I get it, but it is scummy, right? I mean, that's what I think. Okay, so okay, my 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 thoughts here are, are one. I whoa, I still think that that Magnus's camp has information more than they have revealed. I mean, Magnus did say, he said, there is more that I would like to say. Unfortunately, at this time, I am limited in what I can say. Without explicit permission from Neiman to, to speak openly, which is a little weird. I think that part is a little weird. The, the fact that he cannot speak on certain matters because he needs Neiman's permission is a little weird but on if you flip it if you flip it though then like if you're hans if you're hans and you're you truly are innocent what would stop you from just being like say whatever you have to say if you really had nothing to hide at all whatsoever like if you were completely clean i'm not saying this is not me saying that hans like Definitely cheated over the board. Maybe what they have is like Hans cheating online like a month ago or something on chess.com or something, right? Like maybe that's what it is. But like, that's the thing though. Like, if that's the case, I want to know. And also, if that's not the case and Hans is truly clean, why wouldn't he just come out and be like, okay, Magnus, like say whatever you like want to say? If he truly is clean, 
get... But, uh, but my, my point to that is, then if there is evidence that Magnus, like, knows that Hans is cheating, and there is concrete evidence, why is there this, I don't have permission to say? Because... So what this is I, what I, I've been struggling to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I think it is, is that I don't think Magnus has evidence when um, brought to a court would be enough to find Hans, like, 100% guilty. Like, undoubtedly guilty, I mean. Like, beyond a reasonable doubt. How what which which means which is why which is why Magnus would require Neiman's explicit permission to speak on such matters because wherein it is something wherein Magnus is sharing information that would not be able to beyond a reasonable doubt find Neiman guilty in court he could be sued for slander. But and I've seen this rationale, but like defamation is so hard to like. No, no, but it, it it's not. It, it is hard. It is hard. But like, it's not. I don't. I think it's like less of. I think it's less a fear of someone like a court finding Carlson like guilty of defamation. I think it's more of. I don't want to go through that bullshit. Like. Like it could be literal like months, years. Of legal battles, right? And and Carlson, I don't think Carlson has any interest at all, even in the slight. Like this is a guy who doesn't even want to play world championship matches anymore, man. You think he wants to go through fucking years of legal battles over this bullshit? Definitely, a hundred percent not. Like if he doesn't want to play a world championship match, he definitely doesn't want to go to court for this bullshit. So I think that's why. He's asking explicit permission such that there are no grounds even for there to be a suit in the first place. But, but okay, all of this is to say, though, I don't believe that Magnus, though, has anything that would prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Neiman is guilty because then he could just bring it up. Oh, yeah, I think, I think we're both in agreement of that. Yeah, but... Like, let's sit back and evaluate for a second, right? If it's not that, then how strong would this evidence likely be? I think it's into? pretty strong. I think it's pretty strong. Like, and, and do you, have you, you've seen the, the comments that the Chess.com uh, chess CEO made, right? About how, like, they're, they're still, like, in the middle of an investigation, like, doing things. Or, like, trying to, like, sort things out. Um, and after, after seeing... The, the article on DeLugie and those emails and and DeLugie is basically like bullshit of like oh yeah it was my students and uh, one of them must have been on their phone and it was only that one game and then, and then Danny's like but what about this other game oh maybe it was that other game too but what about the 10 games before that oh <laughs> That's how the conversation went. That's literally how the conversation went. And then Delugi was like, okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Give me another chance. And then Danny was like, cheated again. And Delugi is like, oh, 
a very, very sorry again. <laughs> I'll give you another chance. And then Danny's like, I'll give you another chance. I'll give you another one. Just crazy. It's crazy that chess.com would give like fucking Grandmasters 3. Anyway, beside the point, beside the point. All this is to say is uh, like, I feel that Carlson has something very, like, not something so strong that it would, in a court of law, prove something beyond a reasonable doubt. But in the court of public opinion, it would sway, like, 90% of people in, in one direction. And maybe so far as to get tournament organizers to never invite Neiman to a high-level chess tournament like, ever again. Which I think is his end game. Like I think that's what Magnus wants. That he doesn't want to see Neiman at a high level like chess competition that that Magnus would be playing at ever again. Like I, I think that's what Magnus wants from from all of this. Well, in addition to like uh like ramped up anti cheating measures at chess tournaments. But I, I I think that's like that's what he wants. Um, and I think that what he has could get him there. If Hans is like, fine, just like, show it. But all this is to say, all this is to say, like, the thing is, if Magnus didn't have something this strong, there's no reason for Hans to be silent right now. I, I get that. And I, but I, I, wa I also want to bring up one more point about Magnus's statement. And, and, we'll, and we'll just discuss this one last point before signing up. But based on what Magnus is alluding to about in the recent game, oh, yes. you know, he, was, he was not taking enough time to think yes. or whatever. Yes, yes. Would you, would you agree that he's clearly insinuating that he suspects there's cheating in that, in that game in the Sigfield Cup? That must be what he means, right? Yes. No, no, 100%. And so, I think, I think you know, so his, his opinion... It's not just, you know, evidence, you know, in general that Hans has cheated recently over the board. It may be that, but it is at least he believes that there was cheating in that specific game. And the evidence that, you know, has been found and, and the analysis that's been done in, on that game, on multiple accounts has shown that that cheating, there is no evidence based on the quality of moves and whatever. And so to that, like, you know, what can we expect? Sure. Because to that, I think, like, you know, again, if he's got all this, like, you know, you know, uh, other, like, you know, accessory information that, like, you know, we can um, gain new insight from, like, it, it has to be so compelling to a point that I cannot comprehend how possibly it could be that there has been cheating going on in that specific game. And so, like... It, like Magnus's claims are like more specific than I think it is, you know, possible to really prove, and that's also another problem I have with it. That is definitely problematic. It, it's definitely problematic that he is making such a claim where it seems impossible to prove. the 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 flip side of it is that, like, if you're going to make such claims, you have to bring up specific examples, like. There's no way around it. Like you have, you have to, yeah, you, you have to give some examples. And, and I don't like. Yes, I don't think what Max is saying is like, like solid proof or whatever. But 
I don't want to fully discount what Magnus is saying either. Like, and and this is what is most suspicious to me is that, and I think this is like where most high level cheaters, well, maybe would go wrong is like, is like taking the is is recognizing what is a critical moment in a game. Right. Right. And like that's it sounds easy. Like it sounds easy, but like it's not. Like it's that's a it's a difficult thing to do, especially when a game is, is complex. Like it's very hard to identify sometimes exactly what moments are critical in games and where you need to stop. And, and, but that's the weird thing is that like, the weird thing is like, I would expect in those kind of instances that if you are cheating in an undetectable manner, that like, that's when you would be concentrating the most because like, for instance, like if I was a 2,700 level chess player who was cheating over the board then what I, like, the only thing that I would want is I would want for someone in the audience or whatever to give me some sort of physical cue whenever there's a critical moment in a game. Right? Like, that would be right. the most undetectable way of, like, cheating in over-the-board chess, which, like, all this goes back to the point of, like, it's so fucking impossible it's so fucking impossible to prove over the board cheating in chess because it's really as simple as that, right? It's really as simple as someone in the audience going like this. Or well, sorry, I guess a podcast listener would not know what I just did. I like I just I literally just like put like two fingers to my forehead. Like right. a gesture. But And I'm also thinking about that, Sanha though, and What's interesting is that Magnus's impression, right, is that he's not taking enough time to think in critical positions. Or Would that or not it, also? It, it wasn't about time. It was more of like he wasn't. Was wasn't, it not? Was it not an explicit? Uh, no, he said I had the impression that he wasn't tense or even fully concentrating on the game in critical positions. Okay. 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 All right. I was gonna say something, but then I'll retract that then. <laughs> Because I'm not sure if he was alluding to like, you know, the time that was used or like time management. Sure, really. sure. Because, because if there isn't a comment about time, then of course the question would also be like, well, I mean, if we're expecting somebody to be cheating, if they get a buzz from whatever to tell them, let them know that it's a critical position. I mean, if a good cheater would spend time. For sure, for even sure. If, even if they figured out the move, they're right. just going to sit they there. They would artificially. And milk some time. Yes, exactly. Right, 100%. Right, right. Which is the also, Carlson statement doesn't, yeah, okay. Which also goes back to why, like, it, it's so hard to detect cheating. So, like, like the current method of, of, of detecting cheating by FIDE, like, their official method is going through, what, what's his name again? N or something? It sounded like some German dude. It's like... Hegel or something. <laughs> it's not Hegel, dude. <laughs> Um, okay, so, something like that. It's Ken, no, uh, Fuck, what's his name? Kenneth Reagan. I'm, there you go. It is Ken. 
Kenneth Reagan. Um, Reagan. Oh, Reagan Hegel sounds similar, man. Does it though? <laughs> anyway, um, so like it both has the first, uh, the second, and third letters <laughs> as eg. Okay, so and anyway, so yes. his like methodology, like we looked in, like people looked into it, and the thing about it is, you could easily bypass because his um. His reasoning for why he didn't believe that Hans was cheating is that he looked at his games and he was saying that for for half of his games, Hans played like over like expected, and for half of his games, he played under expected. And therefore, he did not like think that Hans was cheating. But the thing is, if I was a cheater, then I could easily just for every single one of my games in tournament play flip a coin before the game starts to decide, am I going to cheat this game or not? And then if I did that, I could also easily bypass Kenneth Reagan's anti-cheat measure because I would be above for 50% of the games and below for 50% of the games. It's like, it's so easy to like get past it. it. Which is why, so like, which is why the whole like uh, statistical analysis that people have been doing um, using chess space is so interesting. Like, have you have you watched any of that stuff? I have not. I um, you should watch. Um, I've seen some like amateur analyses and like yeah. Like, what's her name? What FM Monana? No, what's what's her fucking? I, name? I think I think that might be the one that I watched. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. A, an excerpt of. Oh, an excerpt of... Okay, okay. So, like, I watched, like, like... Like, she goes through the accuracy, right, of each individual game. Yeah, yeah. So, it's comparing to... So, what it does... Okay. Anyway. So, to, to give context, what it does... What it's really doing is it's doing, a, it's doing a chess-based analysis on the games, comparing the moves played to engine-recommended moves. Um, and it, it's basing it on not just, like, one, like, Stockfish engine. It's basing it off of the global cloud of of engines so it's taking everything from you know uh like komodo or, or deep blue or stockfish or whatever like all all of the all of the strong chess um and then it's doing a comparison and like a correlation um between the moves played of the player and the top like engine move um recommended engine. and basically the analysis there was that neiman over the last like two years or whatever had like 20 some instances of 90 plus percent correlation and then like two instances of like a hundred percent correlation um versus magnus in the same time span had like two instances of like plus 90 and that's like or, or something along those lines um which magnus had fewer games played but then some someone like did like the analysis and they said even with Adjusting for the number of games played in that in that time span, Hans was still like four to five x times as likely to hit a ninety plus percent correlated game. Magnus, um, and then like people did like even more analysis of like Magnus is over his career. His like accuracy is like seventy one percent. Bobby Fisher in his um in like peak Bobby or sorry peak Magnus was like seventy one percent peak. Magnet or peak Bobby Fisher was seventy two percent, and then you have Hans over the By last. By the way, that is insane. It is. You know. You know wait, wait. You know what? Bobby people is the go. 
Like, put it to rest. You Holy know what people crap. are not talking about? About how Bobby Fischer's peak is, his 72% is even more impressive because when Bobby Fischer was playing, these engines did not fucking exist. Meaning he didn't study off of engines like Magnus does, right? Top players, right. top players in the last 10 years, they use, they, they literally only use engines to fucking study. Meaning they should be then more likely to think like an engine than players did in 1970 when fucking Bobby Fischer played. The fact that Bobby Fischer has a higher fucking correlation to top engine plays than Magnus does? Like, Jesus fucking Christ, that guy's a monster. I mean, that, that has to be really strong, compelling evidence that he would be the greatest player alive. If he oh, 100 I, There's no doubt in my mind after, like, seeing that, that Bobby Fish, like, even though, like, I didn't believe that Magnus was GOAT, like, even before then, now I have, like, zero doubt. No one's ever going to convince me otherwise that fucking Bobby Fisher is the fucking GOAT. Undisputed. Because, yeah. Jesus Christ, 70, no, I'm with you on that one. 72% yeah. when, like, you didn't even have a computer back then? Like, what? And I don't know how that, like, compares book moves. But like it, um, the when, knowledge of book moves must also be much better now. It adjusts so for that. Bobby, oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. it adjusts for gotcha. so it, it like if there are too many book moves, then it will um disqualify the game and it won't even give it a rating. Like there have to be mm. enough out of book moves, um, played in order for it to assign a correlation, which is interesting. But. But in that case, then, are some of Bobby's moves in the opening that may not have been considered book in his time now considered book in this analysis? It's, it's all based on the most recent clouds. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Fucking nuts. Okay, well, that's interesting. Wait, I got to think about that for a second. Look, all it's to say that Bobby played like no it, there's no other way to spin it Bobby's a fucking monster like how because like think about think about what computer chess has brought to us more recently like in in modern chess play like for instance like using more of the flanks right playing more on the side of the board right those are like newer modern chess ideas that did not like were not popular in the 70s 80s even in the 90s before like even in, even in bobby's games yeah yeah definitely 100 in bobby's games like and so those are not ideas bobby is it's a finding <laughs> he's finding gaps elsewhere yes yes he's where, like, like he's like compensating for yes, that he's fucking, in, aka like he's intuitively he's, finding compute like like <laughs> like 40 like 50 years before the time of like fucking I don't understand how. Like, he's so fucking good. He's just so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, wow. in it's incredible. Anyway. Anyway, all this is to say, though, however, however, here's the thing. I, like, my critique of this is, one, one, one critique is, um, first off, this assumes that you are, like, playing based off of engine like recommended moves in order to detect cheating which if you're using the method that i was suggesting about you know just someone in the audience maybe using an engine to say that 
and and to like show you that like this is a critical moment it, i don't think this would be a great indicator of detecting that kind of cheating first off um second off it is definitely weird though it, like hans's scores are they they don't match up to any of like what you would expect to see like they they like his scores like are are bizarrely high um relative to other gms super gms 2700 2800 level gm um so that that's bizarre uh like to give you an example andy uh i i said hans had like 20 some instances of 90 plus percent gain in the last two years during fobby's 2014 sink field cup you remember that where he started like 8-0 or something yep maybe his one of the, one of the greatest performance ratings of all time of yeah. all time of literally all time bobby yeah. i don't he, maybe he had 190 rated game or maybe not at all and his tournament rating might have was probably like around like 80 something 80 like low 80s like close to 80 this is this is what we're talking like this is what we're talking this is a difference of like Bobby's that that tournament is will go down as one of the greatest tournament play of like literally all time even greater than maybe some of Magnus's greatest tournaments um and yet it it pales in comparison to Hans's last 2 years of play which is incredible. However, my critique here is all this is to say I think people are comparing the wrong scores. I think what people need to be comparing is the scores that Magnus and other like um, other super GMs had when they were coming up the ranks, like Hans is now, right? So like Hans has gained what 200, 300 points over the last two, 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 two and a half years or whatever, um, and and other GMs have had maybe not such uh, drastic climbs, but they had climbs. Like there were moments in all of these super GMs' careers where they gained those two hundred points to get to super GM status, right? um over the course of two years uh a year and a half or whatever it is right uh, they all had those instances in those careers so what they really need to do is they need to compare that time frame of rise in games to hans's rise to see if those numbers are out of whack because you can't just compare someone who's already in their peak playing against peak competition and those scores versus Hans, who was playing against weaker competition, who is coming up the ranks, right? It, it's not it's not apples to apples. So you need to do a that's, better. That's also my critique. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to do a better awesome. apples to apples comparison um, of of the games in order to in order to draw a, a better conclusion. Um, but even without doing that, even without doing that, it is just bizarre that he has so many games over 90 percent correlation to an engine regardless regardless of like who the competition is like because like it's and, not I, and i will say sonho like just because that the top players are playing against other top competition might not necessarily mean that you're you would expect their percentage to be lower it might actually mean that you expect your percentage to be higher because Maybe. both players are playing on the wavelength of an engine and then they right. kind of synergize yeah and then they play like corresponding moves against each other and engine like ways whereas if you're playing against a weaker opponent who's playing offbeat stuff or playing unlike an engine like how do you still like kind of like not go off the beaten path like they are and 
affix yourself to the wavelength of an engine. Exactly. And so, uh, it, I guess like the, I think the critique can go either way. So yeah, but but yeah, I I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but in any case, I think like we've definitely talked about this for way too long. But <laughs> I mean, we're definitely going to be talking about it again if there's more new things coming up. I mean, this is like the drama that keeps giving, oh, and it's man. like. It's better than any drama that we've ever had in the chess world, and I'm so happy. Oh <laughs> so... my god, it's crazy, man. I'm I mean, just... we're finding we're finding things out about chess that we never really tapped it's into. True. Like this 72 is true. 72% accuracy of Bobby Fischer, which is like Oh, it's so crazy. That guy is yeah. fucking nuts. How? How did he play like that? Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna like, you know take a look at some Bobby Fischer games this weekend because, I mean, I gotta look at some of these games that he's played. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just... 1970, just like... Yeah, just, yeah, just go to 1971, maybe. Um, yeah, and like... Spassky, at... Spassky Fisher? No, not even Spassky Fisher. Just look at his tournament play where he was just like winning every fucking tournament somehow. Like... Okay. This is, um, that, that's, this is actually Bed Feingold's uh, big critique against Magnus. Um... Of how like he like he compares Magnus uh, to Kasparov and and Fisher and saying like when Kasparov and Fisher were playing, they were winning every single tournament. They weren't just the favorites to win every tournament. They were literally just winning every fucking tournament. Magnus is maybe the favorite to win every tournament, but he doesn't necessarily win every tournament, um, which is a fair critique. But like. We're also in the computer chess age where, like, the margins are razor thin. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like the 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 playing field has way been leveled. Um, and like if you if you shot Magnus back to 1970, I think like he he and Fisher would have made a great rivalry. Like, because that's the thing about Magnus too, right? Is that he plays so intuitively, and so did Bobby. Like. Oh Jesus. That 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 would have been something fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Well <sighs> well folks, I think we're gonna sign off for this week. Um uh, hope you enjoyed uh this episode. Um talked about a lot of cool things, but make sure to tune in next week for the special edition of Keep It Under and Eleven. We're gonna be coming at you live and in person. Woo! From Atlanta. August. Alrighty. But until then, everybody. Keep it 111. We'll see you next week. See ya.